So welcome to another episode of The Swamp Inside Florida Athletics. I'm your host, Anthony Beck, and I'll just go ahead and tell you guys right now, my co-host is going to be a little late to the show, so we apologize for that. He has something going on, so he's just taking care of that right now, but he'll be on. But for right now, we have a special guest tonight who writes for Gator Country, and it's Eric Fawcett, man. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing great. And Gator hoops in the offseason. I mean, man, it's uh, it's good. I'm missing it greatly, so it's good to be talking some Florida basketball. Thanks for having me on. Um, it's, it's always great to talk Florida Gators basketball. I mean, well, well maybe maybe not after the second round game. It, it, it was that, that I had to um, kind of kind of had to wrap my mind around that for about two weeks. I, I still don't understand how we lost that game, but yeah, other than that, it's always great to talk Gator hoops. And yes, in the off season, so. And we've had, a, and speaking of which, we've had a lot of action this offseason in the transfer portal. It's almost like one team left, and then you get a whole other team to come in. And and honestly, I like the I, I like the moves that they made. I wish we can get the second coach hired pretty soon, but for, so for the most part, I like the moves they made. What what move do you think? Do you think is who like of the transfers that we've had in, which one do you think is going to make the biggest impact? Well, it's an interesting question because I think that so many people are going to look at Myron Jones from Penn State and see that he scored the most. Uh, he used the most productive player, um, at least in terms of he was the most productive at a, a you know at a high major school. Flanders Fleming just put up ridiculous numbers, but for an awful team in an awful conference. So I think a lot of people would look at Myron Jones and say, hey, he's, you know, he's someone who scored over 15 points a game in, in the Big Ten. So that's maybe something you can pencil him in for 15 points a game for, for Florida. And, and that would be awesome. But, you, you know, the player I'm really the most excited about and the player that I think is the best is, is CJ Felder from, from Boston College. And it'll be interesting, too, because we're all kind of waiting to see if Keontae Johnson will be back. And if he is back, what Keontae Johnson uh, is Florida getting? I mean, We'll see. Um, but, you know, before that news, I was like, oh, CJ Feller is going to be the starting power forward. I think he's going to be awesome. I think he's going to be productive on both ends. And even though I don't know if he's going to have the biggest, uh, as big of an, an impact as, as Myron Jones right off the bat, I, I do think he is going to be long-term the biggest pickup of this transfer portal cycle. I, I just love his, uh, I love his athleticism. I love his length. I love that he can defend at a high level on the interior and switching out onto guards. Um, he showed that he can hit the jump shot a little bit. Uh, he had a couple of games where he just went like over oh, five tanked his percentage. So some people are going to look at his three point percentage and be like, no, he's not a good shot. I, I do think it's there for him. And uh, he's, he's a really, he's a guy that's really young for his class. So even though he's just uh, completed two seasons, um, he's still really young. So I think he's still going to get better. And, Truthfully, he's a guy I think has, has some NBA upside. So I, I'm in love with CJ Felder's game, and I think that he's going to surprise a lot of people and end up being uh, the best player that Florida got this offseason. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I agree with you on that because I think defensively what he brings to the table is something that this past year's team was desperately missing, and that's physicality not only inside in the post but just re- rebounding in general. I mean, there were you – know, Completely out-rebounded. The game that comes to mind in that category is the Tennessee game in Knoxville. I mean, the game was going well in the first half, and in the second half, Tennessee just dominated the boards and got extra possessions. And when teams do that, 
they're able to get on the roll and, you know, the game can get out of hand really fast. And so I, I love the addition of CJ Felder. I love what he brings to the table and I think he's going to make an impact, especially defensively. But the other guy that's interesting for me is Brandon McKissick because I'm wondering how, how Florida is going to use him. Is he going to be the point guard with Tyree Appleby? Is he going to start in the backcourt with them or is it going to be a battle for the point guard position to see who starts and who comes off the bench. Because I think both of their games, I think they can, I think they can play together. I really do. I think um, McKissick is more, more of a pass first guy. And Tyree is a guy that can get to the, to the, to the hole and get to the rim. But McKissick is, I think is an underrated shooter as well. So what do you think about his game? Do you think he can play together with Tyree Appleby or is that a situation where you think, they they battle for the spot. Well, it's kind of interesting. I might disagree with you when it comes to McKissick being a, a pass-first player. I, I don't know if I see him that way. I, I think he's certainly unselfish, but one of the things that I kind of found going through his film when, when they got him was I don't really think he's a point guard, and uh, that was one thing that I think is... Like, I kind of think that Brandon McKissick is someone who's probably the biggest, like, maybe X factor or, or, or swing piece of the of the of the transfer class, just because, you know, if he ends up being the best player, it wouldn't totally shock me. Um, but if he ends up being, you know, definitely a tier below some of the other guys, it wouldn't shock me at all. And, and part of that is that, you know, he's listed at 6'3". There's there's no way he's 6'3". Um, and, you know, so he's he's kind of the size of a point guard. But I wouldn't say he's really a point guard. I, I mean, he got a, a decent number of assists, but that was kind of because the ball was in his hands all the time for a team that wasn't very good. And uh, definitely a willing passer, but looking at a lot of his assists, it was uh, not high-level reads, um, not really playing out of the pick and roll a lot, which you're going to kind of need to be if you're going to be a point guard at the SEC level. So he is someone that I see as kind of a, a, a more of a two-guard. And because, like I mentioned earlier, he's 6'3 and skinny, but... I don't think he's 6'3". He's listed at 6'3". I see him as a little bit of an undersized two guard. So from a standpoint of, you know, offensively, I totally think Tyree Appleby and Brandon McKissick could play together uh, because I do think that, like you said, McKissick's a really good shooter. It's um, his, his stroke is like a little bit funky. And I think that that maybe makes some people forget that he's been like a 40 plus percent three point shooter. So he really is a good shooter. And uh, I think he could play off. Um, I think he'd play off Appleby, Appleby really well. Um, it's just going to be like, hey, how do you feel defensively about that backcourt? And Brandon McKissick was an all-league defensive player um, in the Summit League. So, and uh, he, he, I think he's going to be a pretty good defender. He, again, his, I keep kind of coming back to this. He is small. He is undersized. If he's a two-guard, he's going to have some some really tough matchups, especially when you see how Arkansas and Alabama and LSU and Kentucky are building their teams with a lot more length on the, uh, on the wings. Um, yeah, there might be some tough matchups, but like for his size, for his position, um, Brandon McKissick defends pretty well. So uh, I, I really, I will really be interested. Like, like, I guess one thing right now is like, you can kind of look at Florida starting lineup in, in a lot of different ways because uh, does Myron Jones start at the three and Brandon McKissick starts at the two and, and Tyree Appleby starts at the one. Do you think Quasey Reeves might start and bring a little bit more length? Does he play the three? Do they try to be a bit more defensive and get Niles Lane in the starting lineup at the wing? Like it, it's really interesting regarding Florida's perimeter and, and, and the wings because they don't have a lot of kind of true 
They have a lot of guys that are um, what I would consider shooting guards. So for that reason, um, we'll see exactly how it shakes out. But I see there being a little bit of competition between like a Myron Jones, a Flanders Fleming and Brandon McKissick for for two guard minutes. And, you know, for me, I still do think that as the roster currently sits, I, I think Tyree Appleby is probably safe as a starting point guard. Yeah, and he and of course he brings that experience with already knowing Mike White's offense, so that that definitely helps. And in bringing up Kawasi Reeves, that is a guy that I've been high on since since we offered. I mean, I remember I remember before we offered, I was looking at some of the guys that you know we were interested in, and he just kept jumping off the screen for me. And this this might sound a little you know controversial, but I honestly believe he is everything that we wanted Scotty Lewis to be. <laughs> if if you get what I'm saying, I mean, he's a great athlete. I think he's a great defender, but offensively, he can really shoot the ball and he can really he really knows how to create his own shot and he shoot the ball a little bit better than a lot of people give him credit for. So he's a where where do you see? His role. What do you see his role being? Do you see him playing coming off the bench, maybe playing starters minutes, or you know just rotating in with the other guys? Well, and I I love his game too. I'm right there with you, and and I see the fact that if you play him off the ball, well, you've got a six foot seven guy that can shoot the lights out. If you want a bit little bit more playmaking, then yeah, you've got a six foot seven guy who could play point guard for you. And again, I look at this team where uh, obviously you have Tyree Appleby. I, I guess right now your your backup point guard is you know Brandon McKissick. I, I suppose. I mean, Niles Lane is a guy that played point guard in, in high school, but I don't know if his handle is exactly good enough right now. What we'll see in year two, but I I, I think the Florida is still going going to be a team that like needs some secondary playmaking thing that they've just lacked so much these last couple of years with the Scotty Lewis, who was not comfortable with the ball in his hands with Noah Locke, not comfortable with the ball in his hands with Kayvon Allen before that, not comfortable with the ball in his hands. Like Florida's had all these two guards and, and wings um, that are not capable of handling the ball or, or creating plays on the second side of the court. So obviously you've had some really good ball handlers with Chris Chioza and Andrew Nemhart, but, and now, and then Trey Mann, but it's always been like, okay, well, when the ball gets forced out of their hands, it gets reversed to a guy that's like Scotty Lewis, who's not a threat with the ball in his hands. And uh, again, this is something that uh, for anyone who might have, you know, listened to the podcast I do or, or read anything that I write. Um, this is why I was always just so, so down on Mike White continuing to try to play dribble drive offense because the dribble drive offense is all about having multiple guys on the floor that can create off the dribble and you eventually wear teams down. And it just seemed like every one of those possessions were dying in the hands of one of these guys that couldn't handle the ball. So with Kwesi Reeves, again, I just kind of wondered, like you look at Florida right now, who's still lacking a little bit of ball handling um, and Kwesi Reeves can handle the ball. So it's like, I could totally see him be where uh, he could be a starter and, and provide that secondary playmaking. I could also see him coming off the bench and being like a super six man and bringing that primary initiator. But uh, and again, I look at this roster and I just say, you know, who's the small forward. They just, obviously you have Samson or sense of coming back. Um, didn't make a huge impression in his, as a freshman, I still do really like him and, and, and think he's going to be a long-term good player. Um, same as Niles lane. I mean, those guys are hypothetically in the mix for small forward role, but I mean like, Kwesi Reeves just profiles exactly what you want from a modern small forward, his shooting, his scoring off the bounce, his length. Um, there's just so much there to like NBA athletes. So uh, I, I do 
think he, sh- he should be in the mix for a starting position, but um, whether it's starting, whether it's off the bench, I, I, I think he's going to have a big impact. Is there a player that you would compare him to? Well, who does, a, I guess who he reminds you of? Well, one, one recent player um, that we just saw do very well in, in the SEC and is about to go get drafted and as a lottery pick is, is Moses Moody from Arkansas. Uh, once again, like Moses Moody, six foot six, great shooter, can handle it. And um, I think we saw that too with, with Arkansas, who was a pretty balanced team overall. But when it came to them needing to get a bucket, it was always Moses Moody because he had the handle, he had the explosive first step. And because he was six foot six, he could always kind of get a shot off against whoever was guarding him. And that's, again, looking at this Florida team, um, there's a lot of pieces that I like, but I do think that Florida some some high-end talent and I particularly think of when it's tied at the end of a tight game and you need a bucket and you need a guy to go one-on-one who is it going to be um last year it was Trey Mann and that worked really really well you don't have Trey Mann anymore and I think that that guy might end up being uh Kwesi Reeves so so Moses Moody seeing the success that he had I, I think that that's kind of a similar player profile as as a a big shooter who can handle the ball and considering how good Moses Moody did um it just makes me that much even, that much more excited for Reeves yeah, Moses Moody is a guy that I honestly wish we we got <laughs> because I know that we were we were in his and when we moved on from him and let him go to Arkansas, I was like, wow, we are really letting a really talented player who can easily come in and help this team get away. And as you said, like he, he's gonna he's gonna be a lottery. I think he's gonna be a lottery pick as well. And I, I I can see I can see that comparison, you know, with Kawasi Reeves with Moses Moody, and I think he's gonna. I like I said, I think his shot is. I, I honestly think he's one of the best shooters in the country, coming coming out next year, and so it's gonna be really interesting to see how he's used, like whether he plays a small forward. I think that's his natural position, and you know how how like. Where does he come off the bench? I think he's going to come off the bench, but I think he's going to come off the bench and be more that scoring threat because that's something that I felt like we also lacked last season as well. And the, another question I had was about, of course, Colin Castleton. We know he entered the draft, but I think most expect him to return. And if he, if him, when he does announce that he's returning, how do you see – that, do you do you think that they can build the transfers that are coming in can build that chemistry with them, you know, as soon as possible, or is that something you feel like could possibly take time? You know, because we have we have a bunch of different guys that can score in, in different ways, and we have guys that have handled the ball, and so you know you have to develop that chemistry. So how do you see that working out? Uh, f- first of all, I, I'm just gonna kind of put this out there. I put it out there a couple of times, but. Uh... Uh, so I, I'll just, you know, keep up my same uh, bit here, but I'm not entirely sure that Colin Castleton is for sure coming back. And I know a lot of people have just kind of treated it from the moment he's uh, put his name into the draft that he's, he would return. And I know he didn't sign with an agent, which obviously um, kept his eligibility. Obviously he could have signed with an NCAA certified agent, but he didn't. Um, so it, it, I mean, by doing that, it obviously kind of suggests that he thinks he's going to come back. But I, I just think that in, after the season he had and, 
the fact that he is has a bunch of NBA workouts lined up, I'm just like not ready to say before he's had those workouts that he's for sure coming back. And again, there's been a whole lot of people that are just like, oh yeah, well, you know, like just, you know, penciling him into the starting lineup again. And it's just kind of funny that people seem to be pretty confident to that, like before he ha- he's had those workouts. So uh, the other thing I think that you need to kind of put this into context and that I think that so many people forget is like, you can't just look at a player and say, um, you know, to my eyes, he looks like an NBA player um, or he doesn't. And that's going to inform whether or not he leaves because uh, like, I mean, for example, maybe he's, if someone says, Oh, I'll give you an exhibit 10 contract. You can play for my G league team. Maybe that's something he wants to do. Um, maybe, maybe a team would give him a two way and that's something he wants to do is where so many people are like, well, he'll want to work his way into a first round pick. Like, well, maybe he does, but maybe he's just willing to start being a pro. And uh, the other thing too, that I think people need to remember is that like the NBA is a league of markets. So it is all about supply and demand. And when you look at the the draft pool for this year, it is very, very thin on centers. There is not a lot of good centers at the top. There are not a lot of good centers in the middle and there are not a lot of good centers at the back end. And I think you look at all these teams, like, like look at Boston right now in the, in the playoffs, but struggling to find a center that can play minutes for them. Brooklyn, awesome team, struggling to find a guy who can play center minutes for them. You know, look at my Toronto Raptors. They desperately needed a center all year and couldn't get one. So there's a lot of teams that are looking to shore up their center depth. And if you look at the players that are in the draft this year, there are not a lot of quality centers. So I think that there might be a, a window that uh, that Castleton fits into. We would give you a two-way, and then he might have to think strongly about it. So now because I, I know there are a whole bunch of people that are just kind of you know seem to be certain he's coming back and i'm just gonna float it out there that i'm not like 100 percent. and you know if it doesn't happen then maybe i look a little bit smarter but um in, in terms of if he does come back which i do still think is probably the most more likely situation i, I am really interested to the kind of chemistry and it, 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 with the new guys and it's for a couple of reasons i mean for starters you look at like mid-major guys like Flanders Fleming and, and Brandon McKissick. I mean, they've certainly never played with a player like Colin Castleton. Like, they don't see that kind of caliber, caliber. center in their league, so they haven't really played with that. Um, and then you look at uh, uh, you know, CJ Felder, who uh, played with a very different style of center at Boston College but is is kind of used to playing that style of player in his league. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but that kind of chemistry between uh, traditional power forward like CJ Felder and a uh, back to the basket center like Colin Castleton. I mean, we'll see. And uh, the other thing that we kind of have to discuss is the fact that, you know, I, I you know, I don't know what you're like, but uh, I think for most of us, we can't be maybe a hundred percent that right out of the gates that Mike White is going to know what offense suits this team. I mean, there's been a number of years in a row where they kind of went in thinking they were going to play offense one way and just figured out in the first couple of weeks, it wasn't going to work. So to suggest that you bring in all this new talent from all over the country and they're going to know on night one exactly how they want to play. I mean, you just probably can't expect that based on recent history. So uh, in terms of, in terms of chemistry and how all these guys are going to play together, um, I do have some concern. There's, there's, there's no question. And I think that looking at how Florida has struggled to come into seasons, knowing what their identity is on both sides of the floor these last couple of years. And now you add in all these moving pieces. uh, I think that there's reason to, to have some concern. Definitely. Yeah, I definitely agree. And everybody, my co-host has joined us. So, how you doing tonight, Jerry? I'm doing okay, man. How how are you guys doing tonight? We're doing we're doing good, man. We're just we're on here just talking. 
we're just talking about, you know, the basketball team and transfers that have come in. And yeah. I don't know if you got in on time, but, you know, Eric kind of dropped the nugget that Colin Castleton may not be 100% returning. And what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I, I, I was surprised oh, to hear that, but – you know, with there not being a lot of great centers in the draft, I I can see why he wouldn't return yeah, because yeah. he could probably get, he could probably get drafted higher higher than you know maybe we thought, and because there's not a lot of great centers and there's a need for centers in the NBA, I think he can be a guy that could possibly come in and I'm not gonna say make a major impact, but he can mm-hmm. definitely come in and get minutes, and so yeah, you yeah. know if he if he doesn't return, I honestly think that's gonna that that's definitely gonna hurt us. Because we definitely, we definitely had not had a center like him for the last couple of years. You know that can, yeah, can come in and play with his back to the basket and dominating the paint and you know get his own shot. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Hopefully he, hopefully he does come back. But you know, I like I said, I wouldn't blame him if if he didn't. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a draft like this, I think you know, especially watching the playoffs. And seeing how Jokic is kind of transforming the game as far as, you know, uh, bigs who aren't necessarily the highest leapers or whatnot, but the IQ aspect of the game. Um, Colin Castleton, in my opinion, fits right along in that. He can play with his back to the basket. He, you know, is a consistent free throw shooter. He's a big that sets screens, rolls to the basket very well. And in today's game, having a big man like that is invaluable. So, I mean, I personally thought, and said during the season that Castleton could go in the first round, in my opinion, if a team really wanted to take, you know, a chance on him. Like, a team like Boston would do well with him. So, I mean, I wouldn't blame him if he left. He's a very talented big and uh, was, in my opinion, our our best player alongside, you know, Trey Mann. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the teams I mentioned that was in desperate need of uh, center play. Uh, Boston, one of them this uh, in the playoffs. but. Yeah. Uh, the other thing too that and, and you kind of mentioned that he was such a good free throw shooter like Colin mm-hmm. Castleton swears that he can shoot the three at a very high level we never yeah. saw that in his time at Florida but uh, uh, he really thinks he can shoot the ball he really thinks he can shoot the three and lo- looking at the season he just had without the three-point shot as part of his game if he goes in if he goes into workouts NBA workouts and can shoot the three um, that might be uh, you know that might be it for his time at Florida and Matt yeah, I love his game and 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 Florida their center depth behind him is not looking great right now. So that would be a pretty devastating blow to the Gators roster, I think. Um, but again, I just, I just, there's so many people that are just, we're, we're seem to be so sure that that Castleton was coming back and the, the thought never really crossed his mind that he might not be on the Gators next year. And I just kind of want to caution people like he's got NBA workouts lined up. So maybe let's not make predictions on what he's going to do before he has those workouts. So um, I, you know, I would be scared if he didn't come back, um, you know, maybe selfishly as a, as a Florida fan, I, I hope he comes back, but uh, yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. Wouldn't shock me at all if he uh, ended up going to go into the league. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if he, yeah. Yeah. I think if he doesn't come back, um, we're, we're definitely going to have to hit the transfer portal again for center. Because, because I is is there any other high school centers they're recruiting right now? There's one interesting name, uh Bretner Matumbo. He was a guy that they offered like wow back in like 2018, 2019. And at the time it was like, oh, here's a guy who's which you kind of see with you know recruiting centers in high school. You find the guy who's a 
sophomore or a freshman and who's six foot 10 and can jump and you're like, okay, well, you know, that could very well end up being a guy who's a five-star one day. You get- so Florida was recruiting him and uh, I- I'm not really sure what happened. Like he was at some, he was at Lincoln Academy prep, like a really good program. He's at Hamilton Heights, a really good program. Um, he seemed to always play okay, but he's just kind of was like slowly moved down recruiting rankings. Like now he's a three-star who is, um, it's like 270 something, uh, depending on your scouting service of choice. And he's got offers from like East Tennessee state. Like I think Pitt wants him net pretty hard now, but yeah. I mean, that's kind of the caliber of program that's after him, but just really interesting. So I, I would be interested in his story. Someone who had a bunch of high major offers when he was like a sophomore and then just kind of like slowly trickled down the, the ratings and, and had some offers kind of pulled, even though he's like played okay at some pretty good basketball programs in high school. Um, so that would be an interesting one. I mean, that's a player who I'd still be interested in hypothetically if Colin Castle even came back because, Hey, with an open scholarship, if you can get a raw six foot 10 oh, athlete, maybe that's a guy that can, that if you don't need to rely on him right away. But, uh, but I know Anthony, you asked the Castleton leaves. Is there a high school big worth that they're recruiting worth taking? Um, I do not think there is a high school big on the market right now that would plug the hole whatsoever if Castleton were to leave. Yeah, which would a transfer portal would come in handy. Because I know there's still a lot of names out there. And I know I know um I, I can't really remember who, but there's still a lot of interesting names out there. And if he if Castleton doesn't come back, yeah, we're gonna definitely need to hit the portal. For for a center because, I mean, I don't I, I just don't see there how there's any way you can replace his production, you know, if he doesn't come back. Jerry, did I, you have any other questions also? Um, just wondering, uh, do you guys think there will be any type of chemistry, you know, on our team with the amount of uh, you know, guys that we're bringing in? I mean, of course they're talented, but uh, I don't know if you guys spoke on this, but. I, I know that they can be very, very good, but I don't know if there would be enough chemistry. And, you know, see, seeing us play with uh, Scotty Lewis and Trey Mann and guys that have been in the program for years, off seasons, I don't really see how a team full of talent can mesh, you know, under Mike White right now. Uh, I, I just don't know. So do you guys have any takes on that? <laughs> yeah, we did talk about that a little bit. Uh, just to kind of okay. uh, recap, I mean, uh, I, I kind of mentioned that, you know what, these last couple of years, Florida has went into seasons not knowing exactly how they wanted to play and, and not sure exactly how they wanted to utilize their talent. And for that reason, I mean, I don't know how you can any talent from across the country and say, oh, Mike White's the guy to make these guys gel right away. And th- yeah. this is the, this is the other thing too. Like, so in my mind, Brandon McKissick is a shooting guard. I don't think he's a point guard. Uh, oh, Myron, jo- yeah. My- Myron Jones is a shooting guard through and through. Um, yep. Flanders Fleming to me is a shooting guard. So those three guys, three shooting guards, all of them that don't really handle the ball that well. So, yep. you know, and, and the other thing too, is like, you know, Flanders Fleming, he's kind of interesting because he's like six foot four and like 210 yeah. pounds, like really stocky, but not long. But then you've got, you know, My- Myron Jones is, you know, six, three, he's not a big, you know, okay. Shooting guard, but not someone that you'd love at the, at small forward. And Brandon yeah. McKissick listed at six, three. I think there's no way he's six, six three six, after watching. Yeah. So, so to me, yeah. it's like from a chemistry standpoint, 
like, well, how are you going to play all those guys? Are you going to do what Florida has done the last couple of years and just be really small on the perimeter and play, you know, start Tyree Appleby, start um, Brandon McKissick and, and, and start Myron Jones. And you just have, you know, three guards that are six, one, six, one and a half and six, three. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's something that Mike White has been happy to do these last couple of years, but uh, yeah. that, that, that is definitely where some of the kind of chemistry questions would come in for me. Just the fact that they got some really good players, but they, it's not like a, it's not a natural fit to see them all on the floor together. Yeah. That's what I think as well. Seeing all those guys that we brought in, you know, I, I love the talent. I love, defense that we're bringing into but just it's always been how do we generate offense how do we go without having these long droughts of five minutes when we're up you know 10 and letting a team just completely dominate us in the second half like that gets sickening you know so I don't know man yeah and we'll see if balance kind of comes into play that will be one thing about this team I think is that obviously you don't have a Trey man um, you don't have a Kerry Blackshear, so there's not like the 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 starting like, you know, everyone knew that those were the guys Florida wanted to play through over the last couple of years. Uh, but you do have more more depth of talent for sure. So maybe yeah, when you have Myron Jones and Tyree Appleby and Kwasi Reeves all on the floor together, um, three guys that yeah. can comfortably score. Well, then maybe they Florida becomes a little bit tougher to defend, and, and and maybe that's also one of those things where you you see less of those massive droughts because it was. You know, I I haven't told this, I don't think, on a podcast. Um, but I had an SEC assistant um, two years ago. Not last year, but two years ago. Um, he said that Florida was far and away the easiest scout in the league, which is a pretty, oh dis- which is a pretty disrespectful comment. <laughs> um, but it was something that, you know, I kind of was like, I, I understood where he was coming from. And um, yeah. maybe he was being a bit coy. Um, you know, him and me have a decent enough relationship where he could say something like that. But, uh, man, I mean, that is... Uh, it's not what you like to hear for sure. And yeah. I think that if, if nothing else, Florida should be a little bit tougher to scout just because they're going to have more guys that you kind of have to be aware of, even if they don't have, you know, the, the quote unquote star, uh, which I don't think this team is going to have. Yeah. I don't think yeah, it's really. disrespectful when it's true to be. <laughs> I mean, I mean, because when you, when you look at them, I mean, they, they were, I mean, just look at this year's roster, this past year's roster. You knew Scotty Lewis wasn't going to be an offensive threat. So you can completely eliminate him off on the offensive end of the four. Same with Omar Payne. I mean, yeah, he's a he's a good defender in the post, but he's not an offensive threat. Those are two guys that when they're out there, you can eliminate from the scouting report offensively. That that makes it much easier for them. And with Trey Mann, you already knew what you already knew that he was going to handle the ball. A lot, and he was going to create his own shot, so he was going to be tough to guard. Regardless, Castleton, you knew that he was going to be a force inside, but other than that, everybody else I felt like was a question mark, including sometimes Tyree Appleby because you know turnover. he turned the, he turned the ball over a lot in some games. Turnover, Apple so, turnover. Yeah, that that's what that's something that also killed us last season. Well, and the turnovers too, I think, again, comes so much to something that I mentioned earlier on the podcast before you jumped on, Jerry. But just like Florida's had so little secondary playmaking. Like they've had these great point guards like Chris Chioza and Ante, or um, Andrew Nemhard and then um, and then Trey Mann. But like then you've had all these these secondary guards and their shooting guards were guys that were terrible at handling the ball, like Kayvon Allen and, exactly. and Noah Locke and, yeah. and Scotty yeah. Lewis. So so I do look again at, at this team where – if. It, 
<laughs> yeah, we're like this year where it's like, you know, Brandon McKissick, I don't think he's a point guard, but I think he can have, you know, he is someone who can handle the ball. I think he's he's going to be really good in a secondary playmaking role. And, I, and you know, Kwesi Reeves can really handle the ball and, and Flanders Fleming can handle it a little bit. So I do think, or I, I hope, um, but I do, I hope, but I do think that Florida is going to be um, less inclined to turn the ball over. And part of it was like, look at the turnovers last year, like how much of it was like, Noah Locke runs a pick and roll and dribbles it off his foot or Scotty Lewis runs a pick and roll. Doesn't read the. And throws it right into his hands. Like I think the Florida got into so much trouble running actions for players who were not comfortable in those actions. Like just so many pick and rolls ran for, for Noah Locke that he was not prepared for. He was not a good pick and roll ball handler. And he had so many of those ran and so many of those turned into turnovers and same with Scotty Lewis. So I think you just eliminate those possessions where guys who are bad ball handlers are put in situations to handle the ball. And, and I think that's going to lower your, your turnover rate. Um, so I do think turnovers will be a little bit less, but at the same time, I think the fact that Florida is going to miss some, some high end scoring talent, there's going to be times where Tyree Appleby is going to have to probe and be really aggressive, trying to trying to create shots and trying to create buckets for his teammates. And um, that's probably going to turn into some turnovers. Uh, that's just going to be the nature of how Tyree Appleby plays. And you just hope that those, you know, the amount of assists he does generate the amount of open shots he does generate. Um, you just hope that that uh, kind of overshadows some turnovers. And I guess you also just hope those turnovers don't come at big moments. Yeah, I I, I, de I definitely agree. And you, you know, you talk about Noah Ma. I mean, we know he transferred. We saw he transferred to Louisville, and you know, from what we've heard, I guess he wants to be he wants to be more of a point guard. And as you said, he's not a great ball handler, so I'm not sure how that's really going to work out. But you know, with the amount of guys that did transfer, like, do you feel like there was maybe anything going on from within the program that maybe we didn't know about? Or was it just guys, you know, wanted to see if there was better opportunities elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, I do think there was a little bit of friction in, in some of the circumstances. Um, yeah, there was some friction with, with Noah Locke and the coaching staff. And there was definitely um, some differences in how they both saw what Noah Locke's role should be. Um, so, which is pretty interesting because I think a lot of people saw Noah Locke taking a lot of catch and shoot jumpers and said that should be a role, but he thought it should be different. So, um, that's why he left. And I think that that was not a surprise to the coaching staff. I also do think there was some friction with Omar Payne. Um, I don't know if they, the staff, um, really saw eye to eye with him a lot of the time. And I think you, maybe this is unfair to say, but I do think the fact that they were, you know, so willing to suspend him after the incident with, with Tennessee, um, maybe just had something to do with, they didn't really see him as, as playing a pivotal role and were not going to, uh, you know, not really defend him in that situation. I think that they were just, you know, willing to suspend him. And, and um, we kind of saw that. And I think that Omar Payne was not super happy with that. And, um, and then even with, with Quez Glover, I mean, Quez Glover is a guy that I think that for so many of us, you know, looking at the team from the outside, you see a guy with no division one offers and a zero star recruit and Florida gives him a, an offer, a scholarship offer. And, Florida gets him on the team. I think so many of us would look at that player and say like, wow, he's probably just so happy to be at Florida that he's going to be willing to maybe redshirt, maybe wait a, a year or two or, or three before he's able to really work into a role. I, I think a lot of us would have expected Quez Glover to have that kind of mindset. And that was not Quez Glover's mindset from what I'm told. He was someone who thought he should have a bigger role. He thought he should be playing more. He did not have the, you know, the 
the attitude you might expect from a no-star recruit getting to go to the University of Florida. So maybe a little bit of friction there. You could, if you if you want to call that friction, there was maybe some friction there. So I mean, it's just kind of those are all kind of like case by case situations. Like I don't think there's like some overarching problem. Um, behind the scenes I think that Florida missed on some evaluations with some of these players like I mean that's something that I wrote about I talked about so much on the podcast like the Osai Osifos like man there's a guy that they never should have taken that it was never going to work out and you could see it from a mile away and Florida took him absolute missed evaluation and you know he obviously just um, went to the level he should have been at and is now at you know Jacksonville so there's just a lot of case by case a couple of missed evaluations a couple you know, a couple just differences in, in how the team sees a player's role and how the player sees what his role should be. But I, I don't think that there's some huge, you know, I guess it was thrown out like, was, is this a culture problem at Florida? No, I don't think there's a culture problem at Florida. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, you know, because you, you cover the sport, you watch it all the time. Me and Jeremy watch basketball. Plus with Quiz, I, I'm just going to come right out and say it. If every time you come in the game, you're defensively, and when you handle the ball, you're turning it over, and you're not hitting shots, you're not going to be on the court very long. So if you feel like you should play more, then maybe you should get in the gym and work on that so you can play more. I mean, let's be honest; it's not it's not that it's not that hard to figure that out. Like, would you would you guys say the same thing? Well, I mean, one thing that I said a couple of times, and I, I, I maybe phrased it a, a bit more aggressively, sadly, than I wanted to on Twitter. And um, unfortunately, Quez saw it and didn't take it too kindly. But something I did say about his game a couple of times is that, you know, I don't think Quez Glover's a point guard. And I know a lot of people were like, what, like, what, what do you mean? He's, he's five foot 11. Of course he's a point guard. And I, like, I've just never seen basketball through that lens. And, uh, you, you, you don't, you don't just look at a player's height and say, this is the position you, you, they play. You look at what, what, like, where are they productive? What are their skills? What do they bring to the table? And unfortunately for Quez Glover, he's someone who really struggled to handle the ball against pressure. He really struggled to make reads out of pick and roll. He really struggled to make the passes you need to pl- make. And he really struggled when teams press the Gators, like everything that you want a point guard to do. Those were just not his best skills. Like Quez actually had some good moments, but it was when the ball got reversed to him and then he could attack in a straight line, attack a closeout. Uh, he, uh, he shot the ball. Well, uh, when he was, you know, got, got open shots, but he wasn't someone who could uh, shoot off the dribble a little bit. And, and, and I mean, I, I, again, it's just like, you look at the skills that he lacked and you look at the skills that he did have. It's like, Oh, he's not a point guard. He's a shooting guard. And unfortunately he's a five foot 11 shooting guard. So that's tough. And uh, again, again, another guy that I think maybe found his level and Hey, good for him because you know, he had no offers out of high school and now he's going to Samford and I think that's a good level for him. So that's, that's good for his career arc. But um, yeah, I kind of agree with you about, about Glover. It just was so, so tough to see him come into the game and just kick the ball around and turn it over a bunch of times. And, and again, I would almost say part of that. It's like for Florida staff, you've got to be like, Hey, I know he's five foot 11, but he's not a point guard. Like you've got to be able to see that, I think. And I don't think they recognize that. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, uh, I don't think he made changes to his game to kind of make it work as a smaller guard. Like, I think if he was going to make it work, he was going to have to be like a, like a Marcus Howard, like a score, like a real score. He's, he just wasn't going to, it, it was going to be so tough for him to be like, 
to, to be a distributing point guard because he just struggled to see the game that way. And being that short, it's just so tough to create the angles to, to pass the basketball. So I uh, definitely wish him the best, but yeah, it was, it was one that uh, the, the, the partnership was definitely just not really meant to work out of Florida. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree, and I, 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 I just didn't get it with with. I mean, I want I wanted him to be one of those players where you know, you know, Florida takes him, and then all of a sudden, you know, we find a diamond in the rough, and he's a guy that can that, that can come in, kind of like Scotty Wilbigan, for example. I mean, he wasn't very highly regarded, but you know, he gets on the team, and you see what kind of impact he made, what kind of leader he was. Like, that was a guy that you could always lean on, you know, to handle the ball in pressure situations. He wasn't afraid to take the big shot. And, you know, it was just a guy that you can rely on in all phases of the game. But, you know, with Glover, like you said, it just didn't, it just didn't work out. And I'll be honest, I'm interested in seeing this team next year because, you know, you know, teams like Alabama, you know, who won the SEC, you know, they lost a lot, but, with the way they're recruiting right now, you know they're going to reload. You know Kentucky is not going to be anywhere near as bad as they were this year. They're going to they're definitely going to bounce back. And Tennessee, they're still going to be really good. You know Arkansas, I think they're still going to be pretty good in this league. Auburn, I think it's a team that you can watch out for. But who, where, where do you see Florida? Like, where do you see? Where do you think they can finish in the SEC? Like with with what we know now and who's returning. Yeah, man, tough league next year. And I, I mean, you even look at like Ole Miss just like killed it in the transfer portal and Mississippi state just killed it in the transfer portal. Like uh, the sec has just been slowly, just uh, obviously in high school recruiting, getting better and better. And now they're just like running everyone in the transfer portal. So, uh, you know, I, I do look at Alabama and I've got to say Alabama's ahead of Florida right now. I think LSU's ahead of Florida. I think Arkansas's ahead of Florida. I think Tennessee's ahead of Florida. I think Kentucky's ahead of Florida. So, I mean, if you had to say, where do you put Florida right now? I'd say they're kind of like sixth, but man, like I, 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 putting Auburn ahead of them would be totally reason. There, there's some people that are going to pick Auburn to be, uh, to win the league or come second. Auburn's done really well, um, bringing in talent too. And Bruce Pearl, I think is a abs, you know, can be a little bit of an insufferable personality, but I think he's a fantastic coach. And uh, so I see Florida probably like sixth right now. And uh, that's a little bit of a hesitant six. And it will, I guess we'll see exactly what Florida maybe could do with their, their last scholarship or, or two. And you know what, too, my perception will change if we find out that Keontae Johnson is back and something close to him himself. Like right now in my mind, like, I've kind of just thought like, like it's weird. Like, and this is maybe unfair, but like, I've kind of thought to myself, I, I kind of look at the Gators, like without Keontae Johnson, that's just how I like view the team moving forward. And if they end up, they definitely do get him back. Then it's like, wow, that's awesome. But I just see the situation he went through and the health challenges he's going to have. And I just don't know if he's going to be able to play. And if he does like, you know, what, what player are you getting? So I just hope for his sake that he's, he is able to play. That would be so awesome for him. And I really, really hope, that is the case. Um, and if you, if it's comes out that he's good to play and he's something close to what he was uh, last season, then that would change my view of Florida. But right now I would say they're, they're sixth in the sec. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And like you said, with Auburn, you know, them bringing in Walter Walker Kessler was a huge addition for them. And Katie Johnson from Georgia, you know, those are two big time additions that, 
that that is going to put them in the mix immediately. And you know, I I I would agree with them being in the SEC when you look at the landscape of the league. And you know, it's going to be they have an interesting game early in the season with Milwaukee. You know, they just got a five star player. I, I, I'm losing his name. I think it's Patrick Baldwin Jr. Is yeah. that it? You know, so that's going to be an interesting matchup simply because clearly he's going to be their best player. And, you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to cause some issues with whoever they play. And, you know, we didn't even get into Keontae Johnson until just now. I mean, that whole situation, I think that was a situation where, you know, the team just flat out, they, they, they just didn't really recover. And it's understandable. I mean, they saw their teammate and their brother – Almost, almost, he could have possibly died on the court, and so I'll be honest. I was even, I was really surprised they even finished that game with Florida State because I mean, it's just not something that I thought they would do. I mean, I thought that would be something that would, I mean, clearly it shook them, but I mean, I, I just didn't think they finished that game, and it it affected them the entire season. You can tell, but the fact that he, you know, he came out in the video say he was he was doing okay and. Now he plans on trying to come back and play. I think I honestly believe if he does play, he could possibly he could be in the starting lineup if he plays. But if he does come back and play, that's going to give this entire team a huge lift, and I think it could possibly help them. You know, maybe win some games they have no business win or have them finish higher in the SEC. But if he does play, do you think he can get back to what? Well, do you think he could get back to somewhere close to what he was before, you know, the medical issue? Or do you think this is something that, I mean, is clearly going to take time before he gets back to his old self? I have absolutely no idea, <laughs> to be honest with you. I don't even know where to begin to try to answer that question. Like, I just, to see the trauma that he went through and being close to death and in a coma, like, I mean, it's just it is so far, you know, unfortunately out of my realm of, uh, of knowledge to know what recovery from that is like. So that's kind of why my mindset has been that I, I don't have high expectations. Even if he does play my, my expectations will, will be low and I'll just be like, so, so happy that he's able to play basketball. But in terms of what will he be as a player or what could he be as a player? I, I really don't know. And I don't, I, I, yeah, I just, I can't even begin to speculate. I really have no idea. Yeah, it, yeah, I agree. It's something that you know you just have to monitor, but you know because I mean that that is something. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't a, I wasn't born when the Hank Gathers situation happened back with LMU, but that that was the first time I had ever seen that on the basketball court. I've never seen that on the. I've never seen that. I mean. They came back from the commercial break and it's like, hmm, what's going on? And then you see that and I'm like, wow. I mean, it's just something that you don't expect to see. Well, I think too, even like obviously regarding the fact that they finished the game, I mean, hindsight is obviously 2020 and looking back on it, it just seems like absolutely ridiculous that they they finished the game. But like, it's crazy. Like, like I, I coach high school basketball. And I've seen, unfortunately, a number of times that players that have collapsed for, for different reasons. And every time it's it's happened uh the player was out for a few seconds and and they they got up and and walked back to their 
their the bench and and you know got taken off and some you know sometimes an ambulance came or, or sometimes their their parents took them off but I, I I mean you know they collapsed and then it just seemed like okay at least things are under control they're getting it like so so for me like I saw him collapse and it was terrifying but also like there was probably something in the back of your mind that just like the thought of him being close to death is just so far from what you think might be happening. Like, again, it's just that, that, that is so bizarre and just out of the realm of normal happenings on a basketball court. I think that there was probably a bit of the team that, that saw that and it was terrifying, but like, you're not maybe in the moment thinking, Oh, that's uh, did he almost die? You're probably thinking like, Oh, that's like, he's, it's Keontae Johnson. He's a physical Marvel. Um, he'll be, he'll be all right. And uh, uh, so again, I could kind of see how in the moment they would have thought, Oh, you know, like, you know, things are going to be all right. Let's uh, let's gather ourselves. Let's compose ourselves and, and finish the game. But yeah, unfortunately uh, it's one of those things that everyone looks back on and it's just like, man, why in the hell did they finish that game? So kind of an unfortunate situation, but I do kind of, you know, it is one of, I, I do think it's a bit of that. Yeah. Like hindsight's twenty twenty and, Obviously, had they known that he was going to be in a coma for multiple days, yeah, there's no no way they finished that game. Yeah, and I remember when I first saw it, I thought maybe, you know, he was just dehydrated. And I honestly think that's what a lot of people thought. You know, maybe it was just dehydration, but then, you know, you see the stretcher come out, the ambulance come in, and it's like, okay, this is way more serious than just dehydration. And that's, that's something that it, I'm just watching, and it shook me because I'm like, Wow! Like, forget about is he gonna play basketball again? Your 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 mentality is is he gonna make it? It, it literally shifts from is he gonna is he gonna make it through? Because that's really all you're concerned about, and it's it's something that nobody really it's like nobody really knew what caused it. I mean, we knew it wasn't COVID. So that that was that was a good thing, but it's just something that we just didn't know what caused it. And like you said, I was I was even shocked that they even finished that game. And I think when they go back on it, it's like you're you're right. You're thinking, you know, why why did we finish that game? And shifting from that, another question I had for you was, what do you think of? Because you know how fans are. You know, there are. There, there's always the fire Mike White crowd, and I will openly admit on this podcast right now, I fired off a couple of those tweets, and I remember one time I fired it off, and all of a sudden the team just picked it up and blew out who they, whoever they were playing. But I fired them off a couple of times because I was upset at how the team was playing. What, what do you think of all the that he received? Do you think it's warranted, or you think it's maybe a little out of control, or somewhere in the middle? <laughs> you know what? Like, uh, I, I would love to just say a, a soft answer and say it's somewhere in the middle. And I guess like, it's maybe somewhere on that spectrum, but I would say, you know, people are people who are upset with where Florida has, has finished these last few years. I, I think it's pretty reasonable to say, Hey, is there a better coach out there for a program? And one, one thing that I think is pretty interesting with Florida fans is obviously how much in it, it's mostly a football thing. But with basketball, too, and with all the sports, people talk about the Gator standard. And that is something where I do think your standard means different things to different people. Because you know what? Like, if Scott Strickland came out and said, like, we want all our programs to compete at the highest possible level and we will not accept anything short of competing for championships, 
if he went out and said that, it would be really tough to justify Mike White. Because again, I think that there's people who think Mike White is just like utter garbage. And I think that that's completely unfair. I think those, those are, those are like, you know, people saying like, you know, Mike White's inept and incapable of coaching. It's like, okay, well, that's obviously not true. Florida has still put together, you know, solid seasons in a row. They've never really bottomed out or anything like that. But I think that we have kind of seen that getting to the highest level has been and is going to be a bit of an issue. So uh, again, if, if people look at the Gator standard of like, oh, you need to be competing for championships or you're not good enough. Well, you know what? Like that is, that would be then hard to justify that Mike White is the best basketball coach that you can find. But, you know, strictly kind of talking about basketball, the basketball program has kind of mentioned that he likes that Mike White does things cleanly. He hasn't got caught up in, the you know scandals of, of cheating like so many have recently um <coughs> will wait he's uh yeah, yeah um <laughs> start listening off the rest of the sec coaches too man it's ugly out there so i i think that they look at things like that and and uh they they respect that mike white does things the right way and they're not looking to go on probation anytime soon so with those things in in mind i think that it's like yeah it's, you can see like well clearly they're behind mike white right now so let's see how we can make things better. So, so again, for people who are firing off Mike white tweets, if your personal belief is, you know, Florida needs to be competing for championships at, at, at all costs, then yeah, I can see how Mike white's not your guy. If you're someone who says, Oh, I just, I want Florida to, to be relevant and do things the right way. And eventually, you know, maybe we break through, um, then maybe, maybe that guy is Mike white. So, um, that's kind of my take on, on, on those tweets. Yeah, because, see, me personally, I'm kind of in the middle of it. I mean, yes, I want to compete for championships, but do it the right way, you know, like like Baylor, like Baylor did this past year. Like, do it the right way. But I was – and I'll say that there have been years where he's gotten unfair criticism. I mean, because you got to look at the circumstances. Like, this past year, the Keontae Johnson situation. I mean, it's, it's unfair to put championship expectations on the team when you have something like that happen. And then there was another year with John A. Bunu when he tore his ACL. You know, that team was really good, and then all of a sudden he tears his ACL. And the impact that he had when he's not on the floor, the team just wasn't that great. And there have been other years where, you know, there's talent on this team, and it's like, why are they not performing to the level that we know they're capable of? Like, like what is the what is the pressing issue with that? So I'm more in the middle. I mean, I I want to win championships, but I don't want to darn near go on probation trying to win those championships. Again, why does Will Wade still have a job? <laughs> I'm gonna keep putting that out there because I mean Arizona got Sean Miller out of there. LSU needs it. Well, you know what? Let's be honest. LSU just flat out doesn't care about any part of their program going on probation. <laughs> I mean. No, I'm not going to get into that. We, we know what happened with football, but I'm not going to get into that. But, you know, I just feel like there are years where we should have been better than what we were, if, if you get what I'm saying. No, I'm with you. I, I don't think that Florida has maximized their talent over the last couple of years. Um, I have been skeptical of a lot of their schematic decisions. I, I think that the offense they chose to run was not – the best, like I mentioned earlier, the fact that they kept trying to do dribble drive with a roster that wasn't well suited for that whatsoever. Thought that was terrible. 
Um, I thought the fact that they were trying to hard hedge ball screens with Kerry Blackshear two years ago and just continually get picked apart by it and, and not be able to recognize it and change. I thought that was pretty brutal. I, I thought the the use of lineup decisions was poor for a lot of the year. And that's something that I you know tweet about a lot. And I know people um, enjoy that or don't enjoy that, I should say. And uh, for example, I mean, you're up against with, with Oral Roberts and you're up by 11 and, and late in the second half and you start playing lineups that have been bad for you all season and you bench the lineup that was the reason you were in that position in the first place up up by 11 um, and then they end up losing. I mean, that was just poor lineup decisions and and, and poor game management. And um, certainly criticisms to have there for for, for sure. So I, I, again, I think when I say that I'm not like, yeah, let's fire Mike White tomorrow. A lot of people are like, oh, well, there's a, you know, a, Mike White Stan or someone who's going to d- defend him at all costs. It's like, no, I've got plenty of criticisms too. And I want to see them maximizing this talent and I want to see them um, getting the most out of their guys. But uh, I, you know, it's still, it still can be somewhere in the middle. So I, I do love that he get does things the right way. Players love playing for him. And I like that he's able to get good players. Um, the next thing is just like, he's got to crank up the, the, the level of schematic understanding of the game of basketball. So we can start maximizing these guys. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you brought that up with the lineup change, especially against Oral Roberts. I mean, we're up by 11, and all of a sudden you put a terrible lineup that has not worked for us all year long, and they they just walked us down and took the lead and never looked back. Really, when you think about it, that that was sort of my frustration all year last year watching this team because you know he would, you know Mike White did that, and I'm like, what are you doing? Why would you put this lineup out? And they haven't been good for us all year long. You know, a lineup, a lineup, Trey Mann and Colin Castleton should have been in the entire time. The, the entire time. Like, those, those, those two guys on the floor, because those are your two best scores. you know, without Keontae Johnson. Those are your two best scores. Those are your go-to guys. And, you know, when you put, I mean, no disrespect to these guys, but guys like Osayo Sifo in the game, or Omar Payne in the game at the wrong time where we need a big that can score. It, it, it was just so frustrating. And that's where I think mostly where people criticize Mike White. And it's a valid criticism when you think about it. But, again, there I think there are some times where maybe we're a little hard on them and maybe we shouldn't be so hard on them. But, you know, do you, do you honestly feel like he is the guy – or, you know, well, I guess that's my question. Do you feel like maybe he's the guy, for, the right guy for the job? Ooh, like that can get us over the hump? Uh, that's, that's a tough question because uh, there's just not a lot that um, would maybe suggest that he can win at the, the highest level. Uh, he's just has struggled to maximize talent so far. So in terms of like, can he take him over the hump? Um, I don't know if he's the, the best guy to do that. I, I think he has shown that um, he's certainly going to keep Florida from bottoming out. Uh, and you look at a lot of these teams that have been really good and then they can have a, a really bad season and just absolutely crater. Like you saw Indiana, you saw Arizona, you saw, you, you see, uh, you see Kentucky, <laughs> like you've seen some teams just really bottom out. And Florida hasn't done that. I think that that you know White has shown he's always going to have the Gators at least competitive. But uh, is he the guy that can get over the hump? Uh, right now he's not. So with an assistant coach hire, um, does he get there with personal kind of development and learning the game more? Does does he get to be that guy um, potentially? But I would say right now uh, you can't. There wouldn't really be evidence 
to defend the position that he is uh, the guy who could, could take you over the hump truthfully. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree there. And I know this is a little, maybe a little thinking a little far ahead, but is there, are there any 2022 high school prospects that maybe you have your eye on that Florida may be after? Uh, yeah, there's been a couple. I mean, Chase Cormier is a guy that's uh, kind of smooth scoring uh, guard that they've been after for, for quite a while. Um, and I kind of, he was someone who kind of made it sound like he was going to commit sometime soon, um, has yet to do so. Uh, but that's definitely a name that, uh, that I'm pretty intrigued by. Uh, one thing too, just like as a general kind of uh, that I find really interesting uh, is that Florida has definitely gone after like a lot of the guys in the like 75th to 175th uh, ranking. Like they haven't been after a lot of the like top five star guys. And I do think that's, I do think that's pretty interesting because it doesn't seem like they're it, just kind of in terms of like Florida still trying to like decide how they, how they want to play. Um, just like that they, that they seem to be going after, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more depth um, versus like, yeah, trying to get that, try, trying to get the next Trey man. And, and we'll see exactly how, uh, we'll see exactly what they, um, how things come across. But yeah, the first, the first guy is definitely Chase Cormier um, as a guard that could be deciding, you know, sometime soon. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe that they could be, it could be as soon as, and you know, Judah Mintz, another player that that's pretty similar. And uh, uh, those are probably the two, two guys that, uh, that I'm looking at most right now. Yeah, and Jerry, are you back on here? Yeah, I am now. I'm good. Yeah, he he kind of dropped off. I, he said he was talking on. Yeah, him, I was talking. I, I didn't hear him. Oh no, I, I yeah, I could not hear him. <laughs> yeah, did did you have any other any other questions for Eric on here? Uh if if you could, if you could, uh, you know, if he is talking, I cannot hear him. Unfortunately, you can't hear me. You can't he hear said me. You can't hear him. No, I can't. Sorry. Can you hear me, Anthony? Yeah, I, I can hear him. Hold on a second. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I was just wondering if there if there's any position of need that you guys would, you know, suggest that we go after right now, besides center, like who would you or what position would you, you know, express interest in if you were Mike White? Oh, I am desperate for wings. Um, I just think that you, again, you look at these last couple of years for, for the Gators, they've just been so small on the perimeter and you just see the way that basketball is going. And yeah. uh, so many teams want to be able to switch and so many teams want to exploit mismatches. And it's funny because Florida is a team that wants to switch a ton, but then they don't put or exactly. recruit rosters that can switch. So I, I, I want to see them get like every, like again, looking at uh, looking forward, like I want to see some six foot six, six foot seven guy. Like I want more Quasi Reeves. I, I want yeah. guys that can um, play the two, three or four and, and, and switch. And again, you're just seeing like, you're, you're seeing all these teams across the country be successful that way. You see the NBAs like that. And mm. yeah, in the league, you see Alabama, Alabama just like doesn't roll out a center or a point guard against the Gators. They just put out five, wings and they just dominate the Gators because Florida can't defend all those guys off the bounce and uh, they can't do anything because Alabama's just switching everything defensively. Like I, I, I and again, that's one of the things where like, I, I like a lot of players that Florida brought in this year, but they're still thin on the wings. So looking forward, whether it's transfer portal, whether it's high school recruiting, it's just like wings, I think are the biggest thing Florida needs to get. Yeah, definitely. And you would think, you know, after the 2017 year, uh, you know, after watching how we played, 
Mike White flourished with, uh, you know, defensive and, you know, versatile wings that could get after it. And Devin Robinson and uh, Justin Leon. But since then, he hasn't really gotten that same type of player. And so I, I just I just wonder if he knows what scheme is best for him or is he just experimenting? It seems like he's experimenting. And I mean, another thing too about that team was like that they were able to play Chris Gioza and, and Casey Hill next to each other. So they yeah. had two ball handlers, which has been something that has been yep. effective for so many teams having two ball handlers. Uh, so it is, I, I'm right there with you where I find it very interesting that Florida has a ton of success with one roster build and then they go away from that mm-hmm. pretty much entirely and start recruiting a different style of player. So, yep. and of course, factoring in that, um, those guys that he won with were not players that he recruited. Those were, you know, still Billy Donovan's Ooh, guys. So, true. um, so, so, but, but, but still, I think you'd look at like, oh man, it was really nice to be switchable. Oh, it's really nice to have multiple ball handlers and be like, that's how you want to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, still, still figuring it out. And I mean, we've seen experimentation a lot these last couple of years. So looking at all these new players coming in, I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing some experimentation at the beginning of the season this year. And maybe that's going to mean a loss or two. That's really frustrating. Yeah, I would expect it. Yeah, it'd be nice to get another Bradley Beal type player, but I mean, those players are hard to come by. Yeah, generational players. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I, I agree one hundred percent, Eric. I would love to see us recruit more wings as well because I'm tired. I'm honestly tired of watching the team get dominated on the boards. I mean, th- I mean, we we can't have a second half against Tennessee where we just get completely dominated on the boards. That can't happen again. That's That was something that was also so frustrating. You know, you you have guys out there. You, you, you basically have Castleton or maybe Payne by themselves, you know, trying to battle four other guys for rebounds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're out, they're out rebounding us. And it's like, wow, if we can get some of these rebounds, we can get extra possessions and extend, the, extend our lead that we may have. And – and that's where having a guy like Castleton come back, I think is gonna is gonna help us if he decides to come back. Yeah, honestly, you, no, go ahead. Oh, well, I, I'm gonna have to. So first of all, guys, I'm gonna have to jump off here pretty quick, so I'm gonna okay, have to, to wrap this up. But but I mean the the note of the like again, Mike White has had an, enough criticism. It's but I'm not trying to pile on it more. But one of the things that like his teams have not gotten criticized for that I think they really should is the defensive rebounding. Like it's a huge oh, yeah. part of the game and Florida has been awful at it. Like I, if I look at the numbers right now, so last year they were 275th in the country in defensive oh rebounding. Uh, wow. The year before that, they were 150th. The year before that, they were 313th. The year before that, they were 256th. The year before Ooh. that, they were 193rd. And then in his wow. first season, they were 162nd. So, like, Woo. They, they've always been no really, idea. really bad at rebounding the basketball. Yeah, and it's 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 just, like, something that – I know there's, like, games that stick out where Florida's been really bad on the defensive oh, yeah. class. But, like, I don't think people realize how, like, on a total, like, level, like, yeah, Florida has wow. not been good rebounding the basketball. And I really think it has to change, like – uh, it's something that again i think as people start as start to understand analytics more they're like yeah we can't be giving away all these extra possessions by not rebounding the basketball but the the last thing i'll i'll, I'll say is that is something that i think that cj felder is going to really really help with he was an absolutely dominant rebounder um when he played the 5 even w- with boston college being a little bit undersized but if he's out there like if if they are able to play 
um, CJ Felder at the four and Colin Cass at the five. Well, that is a pretty monster rebound in front court. And if Keontae Johnson is able to play and say he's playing the small forward spot um, next to CJ Felder and Colin Castlin, it's like, well, that would be a lot of really good rebounders. So I, I, I do think that things are going to start to change, but like, I mean, I, I don't know how they couldn't, they, they, they can't get much worse. So there's only, uh, they can only go up from here. Yeah. And Eric and Jerry, if you got maybe five minutes when the air hops off, and I, it was a couple I wanted to ask you as well, but okay. Eric, before you before you go, let everybody know where we can follow you and where we can read all your articles. Yeah, so oh, and I, your podcast, by the way. Oh, which right I- on. <laughs> so yeah, I write at Gator Country. I uh, would love for you to check out my stuff there. I also host a podcast with Neil Blackman um, called Florida Basketball Hour. If you want some more basketball talk, and uh, yeah, I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at efoset seven. Um, if you want some some general basketball talk, a lot of Florida talk, but uh, I'm going to talk you know NBA, everything else too. So uh, that's where you can find me. Go easy on my Miami Heat, by the way. Go easy <laughs> on us. I'm suffering right now. <laughs> but Aaron, we definitely appreciate you well, coming thank you on. Thank you so much, and, man. And, and talking with and talking basketball with us, we definitely got to get you back on in the future. Oh, uh, for sure. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yes, sir, man. Take appreciate care. Thank you. <laughs> Eric Fawcett, everybody. Good talk. Good talk. Yeah, good, yeah definitely. And um, it's funny. I'm actually in a, a group chat with him on there, and you okay. know, he, his I read his articles pretty much every time he drops one, and. You know he's very knowledgeable. He's he and Neil Blackman are two of the best in the business. Yeah, yeah. If you want to follow, if you want to follow basketball and you want to read the articles and everything, just go to GatorCountry.com and definitely read everything that they're that they put out because you know they're and listen to the Basketball Hour podcast as well because those guys are very knowledgeable. And it's funny I heard Neil on Stadium McGill earlier this week, mm. and you know. He he was breaking he was breaking everything down with the team as well. So those are two yeah. guys you definitely want to follow. Is, is and so we're we're glad we're glad to have Eric on, and we definitely will get him definitely, on in the future. Definitely. And Jerry, because my question to you was, mm-hmm. I was going to ask you was, you know, which one of the transfers are you looking are you most looking forward to to seeing? Uh, well, me personally, man, I'm I'm huge on guards. I love guard play. Uh, so McKissick, you know, I really want to see how he and Tyree Appleby can share the same backcourt and be able to, you know, contribute to this season. Um, I think that if we can play him, Tyree Appleby, maybe Deruji having like, a, you know, at a four, uh, a three or four. But I really want to see him and Kwasi Reed. I think we can put up a lot of points in that group. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to McKissick and seeing how well he can score for us. Yeah, he's one I mentioned as well that I'm looking forward to seeing. But mm-hmm. also, Myron Jones. I mean, I want to – you know, coming from Penn State, I know they weren't a great team, but, you know, when you look at him, um, I feel like he's going to be a guy that can come in and get his own, get his own shot. But mm-hmm. the transfer that, you know, Eric and I were talking about, when you go back and listen to this, that I think is going to make the biggest impact, even though it'll be more on the defensive side, is the guy he just mentioned, you know, C.J. Felder. You know, oh, yeah. He's a guy that when you look at him on tape, he's a tenacious rebounder. He's a great defender. Absolutely. And even and even though he's six seven two thirty, he's a guy that he's he's gonna fight for every rebound that's out there. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that he he if Castleton comes back, you can play both of those guys. You can have a shot blocker with Castleton. Yeah, it's gonna be a mean, two, a mean lineup. Yeah, 
but also two rebounders that are going to get us extra possessions so mm-hmm. we don't get absolutely murdered on the boards like we did last year. Yeah, man. Dreadful. And also, Kowasi Reed, you know, I asked Eric this, and I I agree with the comparison that he said, but who who's the guy that you would compare him to? Because I honestly think he is <sighs> – I said this earlier. I think he is everything that we wanted Scotty Lewis to be. He is. That's the thing. You know, I, I watched a lot of his film. Um, he's a long athlete. He can handle the ball. He can distribute the ball, and he can shoot from deep. Uh, a guy that I'll compare him to, uh, I would say a poor man's KD. At this I, stage I of his career, a poor I, I man's can see KD. That. You know, not of course not as skilled or you know as great as KD, but when you look at what he does, how he defends, plays the passing lanes. He can score from deep three. His, his arms are from here to Pensacola. I mean, the kid the kid is really gifted. Um, and of course, you know, KD, the concerns of him was his weight and his size. For me, Kawasi, I want to see him put on about 10 more pounds, you know, strength and whatnot. But the kid is special and talented. So I, I really, when I watch him, I'm like, he kind of reminds me of a, of a Kevin Durant type, you know, player. Yeah, I can see that as well, but I also agree with the guy that Eric brought up, and it's a guy that Arkansas, and a guy that we were recruiting, and I'm still trying to figure out how we just all of a sudden moved on from him, didn't land him, but Moses Moody, a guy. Oh, can, very, very comparison. A, a guy that can definitely create his own shot and can really, yeah. and really has the ability to take over a game if he gets going. So I agree with Moses Moody, but I can also see Kevin Durant especially when you look at the length that he has and his ability yeah. to shoot over over everybody. I mean, this guy's and he's playing in Georgia. So you know he's playing he's great competition. He's the truth, you know, yeah. There, there's some great basketball players coming out of the state of Georgia. You know, you look at Toughness, Colin Sexton bro. that went to Alabama. Recently, Sharif Cooper from mm-hmm. Auburn. You know, it's a lot of great guys from that state. And I'm glad that we're starting to hit that state a little bit more me I mean, too, bro. Because clearly it's hard to recruit at Montverde when everybody and their grandmother wants those players. So, but, but you know, guy, uh, the state of Georgia, like I said, is producing great plays. He's playing in the state averaging 30 a game. Yeah. You're playing in the state, state of Georgia <laughs> averaging 30 a game? Oh, sign me up for a guy like him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely sign me up for a guy like him. And, you know, when you look at – you know, if Castleton leaves, I'm hoping and praying he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Please, please, God, don't let that happen. No, nah, we need him desperately. Bro. <laughs> we, yeah, because if he does leave, like I said, I think we're going to have to hit the transfer portal. Yeah, we're gonna there's, not, there's not a high school center that can come in and make that kind of impact. Not at all. And, not at all. and, and you know, he brought up Matumbo, Brendan Matumbo. I like him as a prospect. I like him as a long-term prospect as well. You know, because I think, uh, by the way, no relation to Kimbe. I was wondering, that. I'm like, is he related? <laughs> Let, let's dispel that rumor, because that rumor did get started when we first offered him. But yeah. no relation. But I th- he he's a guy that can defend, and he's played well where he's been in high school. You know, he was recently at Hamilton Heights, and oh. that's a basketball powerhouse. So, you know, he played great competition there. I think he's a guy that can come in, maybe not play a whole lot, because, you know, if Castleton comes back, you'll have him, you'll have C.J. Felder, but you'll also have Jason Jatoba, who's a guy that 
I like as a player, but if he if he continues to keep his weight down and you know that's my thing, stay, you know, stay in shape. He's a guy that has a, he has a post game. He does. When you he look does. at when he's out there, he has a post game. Exactly. Exactly. So he's another body we can throw out there, and but Matumbo's guy I think can come in and he'll play behind those guys. Maybe doesn't have to play a lot, but he can develop. Mm-hmm. But if Castleton doesn't come back, I still say we have to hit the transfer portal. You know, because it's a lot of names out there, but it's like who who can we bring in? Very that can make that kind of question. impact. Yeah. That's a very good question. I mean, we we need a guy that, you know, can be consistent, can hit in my fans, bro. It seems like we've struggled every year free throws. Hitting free throws. Oh, yes. Like, yes. Just give me a big man with soft hands that can take contact and hit free throws. And, you know, of course, Mookas, we had Kerry Blackshear, but Kerry Blackshear thought he was a shooting guard. I want a real big man that can, you know, go to the line, be strong, hit free throws when you need them, bro. Like, I, I can't – I hate watching games and then you just continuously miss free throws, shoot yourself in the foot. And then, you know, in a game we could be up by 10 – we're only up by four and then end up losing for no reason. So that's that's what I really want. And you know what's crazy? I'm glad you brought that up because free throw shooting has been a problem with this team since Billy Donovan coached this team. Oh, it has been. It has been. And he became a coach, I think, in, 19, what, 1995, 1996? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so this is literally 25 years of terrible free throw shooting. Yeah. Can we please get guys that can hit free throws in the clutch? Please. It's it's ridiculous. That, that, that's literally all I ask. Can we get that and some wings that can rebound and defend? That, yeah. That's all I ask. Because I feel like if we address those two problems right there, we can make a deep run in the in, in the NCAA tournament. Easily, easily. You know, because that's one of the things that we brought up. You know, we've had we've wasted some talented teams because of not being able to shoot free throws, turn the ball, or not being able to rebound. Yeah, and yeah. You know, when you get to the tournament, you're going to be playing great teams regardless of what "quote unquote" conference they're. You know, maybe they don't have the name, the recognizable names on the team. These are teams that you're going to have to beat. They're going to be seasoned. They're going to be. They're solid. They have chemistry. Yeah, yeah. They're they're going to be very solid teams. Just just look at the um, for example. I, I'll give you a perfect example. Mm-hmm. The team that just won the championship, Baylor. They literally had everything you wanted in a championship yep. team. Yep. Great four generals, guys that can rebound, guys that hit their free throws in the clutch, a great defensive team. I mean, they were the best defensive team Smothering. in the country. Smothering. And even when Gonzaga was undefeated, I kept I kept saying, you know, Baylor's the best team in the country yeah, because bro. they're a great offensive team, but they have the best defense in the country. They have big the big second rebound. And, and relentless, relentless activity. That was my thing. They were so relentless. I love that. Yes. D- yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, they went after every 50-50 ball. They they, they they would jump into the stands to go out five rows into the stands trying to save, trying to save possessions. Truthfully, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's something that I need to see. That's something that's always missing. When you have effort guys like that, they didn't have – Maybe maybe their best player was who was it? Dave, maybe Jarrett Butler or and Davion Mitchell. They're yeah. they're two best players. Maybe not the 
maybe not the same names as maybe a Jalen Suggs or a Kay Cunningham, but they're guys that you want on your team. Yeah, because you, you that know, you need on forget one and, that you need on your team. In in a dog fight, my thing in the tournament, bro. In a dog fight, which dog is going to win? I I know you know the talent is you know awesomer than Jalen Suggs, but when when push comes to shove, when both teams are defending at a high level, what dog is going to come out alive? And when you watch Baylor, every game that they played, maybe besides I think uh, when they played against Oklahoma State, they, I think they lost or something. Wasn't Oklahoma State? I think they did beat them. Yeah, and you know Oklahoma State has dogs in Avery Williams and Kate Cunningham, but that was the only team that I saw really out out dogs in the whole season. So you know when I when I watched, yeah, because even when they came back and beat Oklahoma State, yeah, you're 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 right. That was the only thing that really stacked up to them. Yeah, yeah, and I think Oklahoma State. I thought personally they were going to win a championship. Uh, I I don't know what happened with them. I guess they just Avery Avery and Avery Anderson. Had a uh, horrible game from what I heard. I didn't get to watch it, but uh, you need dogs. And that was my thing with Florida last year, bro. Like, I, I know Daruji was a dog, but he got in foul trouble and he couldn't shoot free throws. So I knew that was going to come back and haunt us. It's just. Yeah, and, I'm, and I'm glad you brought up Oklahoma State because I, I will be better at this. That's, that's something I forgot to ask Eric about. Yeah. You know, because we just recently hired Eric Pastrana from Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. You know, from everything I've read, you know, he's very – he's from the state of Florida, but he's very well-liked in the yeah. state. And he's known as an ace recruiter. He was actually the guy that was the key cog in getting Kate Cunningham. Oh, really? Besides his, besides his brother. Besides his brother being on the staff. But Eric Pastrana was on that recruitment. So, he he's an elite recruiter. And he's a guy that – that's going to come in. He, he's one of those guys that you want on this staff. And yeah. I think he's going to be a great addition for this staff because he's, he's definitely going to help Mike. He's definitely going to help Mike white recruiting wise, but we also have another hole to fill. And, you know, Eric, you know, he, I saw he posted a story. He actually posted this yesterday. I found out about this. You know, we thought the other hire would be Christian Webster from, Virginia Tech, but mm, okay. it's looking like maybe that's not he's not going to be the guy. Maybe he's going to. Um, I'm hearing we're hearing that he's going to stay at Virginia Tech. Okay, but yeah, um, the guy I would go after to fill that spot honestly is Chris Acker, okay, because he he's going to be more of that offensive coordinator. Because defensively, we're a good team. Mike that. White's going to handle that defensively. Yeah, yeah, he he's going to handle that. We need an offensive coordinator, and Chris Acker I think is a guy that. That's gonna be that guy. That can't be that guy if we hire him. Yeah, he's gonna take money. If Chris can, you know, help us with our our sets, and you know, we we need to put our players in the in the best position to score the ball. Too many times you watch us, we get stagnant, and then that loses you games. That waste time, that deteriorates teams' momentum. We need to get in the offense early and soon. You know what I mean? So, if we can get that going, Mike White will look. A lot better, and I'm sure a lot of fans would, you know, be happier if he just got offense. So, yeah, yeah, and I'll and I'll stop firing off the mic, fire Mike White tweets. I mean, because let's be honest, we've all done it. No, I, I, man, seriously, like I'm, I've been a guy that you know defends Mike White and says, you know, it's just a few things here and there. But after last year, seeing some of the things that that went on, like you, you, some things you just cannot defend. Like you can't defend him for putting in Quez Glover at the wrong time or, or putting in Osifu when we're up 
eight. Like, wh- why? You know, so. Especially when he comes out there and he's going to have no impact whatsoever. He, you he's running you around, know he's not going to have an impact. He's running around yeah. running wind sprints, bro. Yeah, pretty much. He's pretty much running suicides out there. He might as well be touching the line, going up and down the court. Yeah. That's pretty much what he's doing. And and I, I agree. I mean, having because that's another thing we discussed was when you look at the Oral Roberts game, that's how they came back and beat us. We put out a terrible lineup that has not been successful all oh season God. long. And they not only did they come back and walk us down, they took the lead and never um and never looked back. Yeah, they didn't look back. They didn't look back. And um, you know, like when you put a guy like Osifo out there to guard uh what what, what was the uh the other guy's name not 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 the little guard they had they had a a, a stretch four that was killing us oh, i forgot his name i forgot his name as well but i know who you're talking about yeah why because, because that's when i thought the honestly should have been in the game that's when he should have been in the game he should have been guarding him but instead you put in a big lineup and you put in osifu who cannot defend a stretch four like you can't why? defend sand yeah so like why why do that so you know, when you watch these games, bro, it's just like even the Kentucky game. The Kentucky game, we could have we could have put them away, but instead, you put in a bad lineup, you let them creep back in, and that's how you that's how you get bit in the butt. So, and, and yeah, my other question to you was, what was your reaction when we had when we originally had all those transfer those guys transfer out? I mean, because uh, did some of them surprise you, and then some was like, whoa, when did that happen? Or, you know, were you pretty much were you not surprised by any of it? Uh, well, Scotty Lewis, I was very surprised by. I thought he would come back. I mean, he didn't transfer, but he left for the draft. But I thought he'd come back, you know, and try to polish his game some. Um, I thought he could have done a lot more in his career. Very disappointing career at Florida. But, you know, he was good for what he was. Uh, Quest Glover, I was not shocked at all. Noah Locke, I was shocked. Uh, and apparently he wanted to play more point guard and he can't handle the ball so that's what shocked me even more uh, let me see Osifu uh, I mean I was I wasn't shocked but it was just one of those things like, okay you know whatever uh, it was a miss in recruiting we yeah. It, yeah it was a huge miss a lot of lies told about him in this game um, and Omar Payne I was definitely not shocked he he was in the doghouse for most of the year. I mean, after Castleton came in and did his thing, and, uh, you know, pretty much that. And Daruji, we even had Daruji running four and Castleton running five a lot of the time, and I thought we'd run Omar Payne. Uh, yeah, so I, I knew, I, I figured that he was going to leave because he, he wasn't getting much play. And uh, last year, or the year before, rather, he had a huge game against Auburn that helped us beat one of the best teams in the country, you know, so. Uh, not getting utilized this year, I think that really pushed him over the edge. So I wasn't shocked when he left. I'll I'll tell you this about Scotty Lewis: that one didn't shock me. There, really? there was honestly no chance he was coming back. Really? Yeah, yeah, there was no chance he was coming back. And if I'm going to be completely honest, it would have did him coming back. Honestly, would have did him no favors. Yeah, because if he's barely going to get drafted or going to go undrafted in this draft. <laughs> You're right. Imagine next year with the crop of guys, with the crop of freshmen coming in. Yeah, that's true. That's so, true. So, so I mean, I I wasn't surprised at all that he entered the draft and signed with the signed with an agent. I mean, that one I knew 
but from what I what I ended up hearing, and Eric kind of touched on this a little bit, there was some friction within the with the staff and some and those players that transferred. There was some friction between those hmm. guys, you know, because you you brought it up with Noah Locke, and you're 100 correct. You know, he transferred, you know, because he wanted to play more point guard, but he's not a great I, ball handler. I, I just can't. I can't. So, I can't. I don't even know how that's going to work out at Louisville, you know, because he transferred to Louisville, and you know what they did? What they got another. They got the guy. I forgot his name, but they. I think he's from Marshall. Mm. They played point guard there. They got him, and he's the point guard. And so they, so they basically lied to Noah Locke. I'm pretty sure. Pretty uh, much told him what he wanted to hear to get him there. Yeah, he's pretty. And because I honestly think I'm not even being funny. I think he's going to end up playing the same role he played at Florida. He is, bro. He is because he can't handle the basketball. I mean, yeah, because they're they're gonna see that early and boom, it's like, yep, you're 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 not gonna be the point guard. In an ACC play, ACC play, in ACC play, they're literally some of the most talented guards, like ball handlers, like little ball handlers in ACC. And he can't. I mean, he 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 can't do that. You know, he he's a he's a spot up shooter, an occasional slash, and that's it. He's not gonna defend anybody at a high level. He's not gonna you know, initiate offense at high level. I don't think I've ever seen him initiate any type of offense at Florida as a point guard. So, I mean, I, I just – I wish – like, Yeah, yeah, and I feel like he only developed one part of his game. You know, you saw him make a lot of the floaters. Yep. That was really the only part of his game that he developed. He was already a good shooter coming out of high school. Yeah. He did get better at that. But, like you said, the rest of his game wasn't hardly developed. Yeah, very frustrating to watch. Very frustrating. And, yeah, and Osio Sifo, just look at where he transferred. That answers your question there. And with Omar Payne, I think I honestly think Omar Payne is gonna be. I think he's gonna be good at Illinois. He is. He is gonna be. He's gonna fit well there. Yeah, he, he's going to a great. It's a great spot, and you know Brad Underwood is a great coach, mm-hmm. and the, we'll see how he rebuilds that team. But I think they're going to be pretty good again next year. Yeah, they are. And only adding adding him is only going to make them. It's going to make them better. So I love the fit there with him. But you know, when I kind of heard because I'm not going to go into detail, but when I kind of heard everything that was going on from within that program, I was like, wow. Like I didn't know players felt that bad. And then with Quez Glover. That was another one that didn't shock me either. I mean, yeah, like we're, I'm not sure if you were on or if we could hear you, mm. but I mentioned this to Eric, and I was, and he was basically saying Quez wanted to play more. But I'm, I pretty yeah. much said, yeah, and I'm gonna put it out there. Did you hear what I said on there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm just being honest. I mean, there's no disrespect to the kid. I mean, I don't want to criticize. He wasn't him either, producing, but, bro. He wasn't producing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when when you're not a great shooter, you're not a great free throw shooter. I don't. That kills me. I don't understand how you're a guard and you're not a great free throw shooter. I, especially it, that it's, it's my thing with Rajon Rondo. It's like, oh my god, God, yeah. you're such a great point guard. Yeah. How is it that you can hit threes but you can't shoot free throws? It's frustrating, bro. It's frustrating. That that that, that, that just frustrates me. But that was his. That was another issue he had. He's not a great shooter. Every time he handles the ball, he turns the ball over, and he's not a great defender. But you want to play, but you're upset that you're not playing a lot. If you're that upset you're not playing a lot, get in the gym, work on all that, get better at it. You're going to see the results in the game once you get back in. 
Yep. It is literally that simple. And like like Eric said, he he's really a shooting. He's really like a five nine shooting guard. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. It, it's really not. Just play your role and contribute to the team. But you you could tell whenever he got on the floor, he tried to do something that he was not able to do. And when that happens, you have to take him off the court. He's unplayable at that point. Unplayable. Yeah, I mean, just embrace being a five nine shooting guard. Yeah. I'm gonna bring this name up, Isaiah Isaiah Thomas. Not not the one not the one that played for the Pistons. The, the other one, yeah, Isaiah I Thomas. Did. Yeah. He did it. Look at how great he was before his injury. Yeah. I mean, so he embraced that role. It's something that I think he's capable of doing. I, I forgot where he even announced he was transferring. I forgot where he said he was going, but, you yeah, know, I mean, it's, just, it's some roles that you have to embrace as a player. Yeah. Um, that That's just been my problem with this team for the past, like, two or three years. Shoot, bro. We can even go back to the Chioza, the, the year when we had Igor Kolachov and we had Jalen Hudson. Guys just not being able to can on their role and stick to it and play the whole year of that role. And part of it's on Mike White for not having uh, solid lineups. He experiments with lineups the whole year, so nobody really knows what their role is. Yeah, so they can't really get in the, into a rhythm. I mean, exactly. I mean, we watch the game of basketball all the time. I mean, you're a Celtics fan. You see what's going oh. on with your, with your series right now. Right. I'm a Heat fan. I see what's going on with our series. You can't experiment with lineups. You just can't. You just throw guys out there and think, oh, it's going to work. You can't do that. You just can't. You just can't. You just can't. I mean, like, with my C's right now, bro, like, we, in the middle of the year, we adjusted our lineups, and we stopped playing semi-Ogele as much, and we stopped playing Grant Williams as much. But we inserted Aaron Neesmith. I mean, yeah, sure, you want to build for the future, but look at us. What have, it's not what, a guy you need out there right now. It's, it's bro, like it's bad. You know what I mean. So I rather if, if you're gonna do something, stick with it. That's what I appreciate about Eric Spoelstra for the most part. Whatever he's doing, he sticks with what he's doing. You know what I mean. He doesn't try to change too much. He st- he trusts his his coaching ability. He trusts his his plan, and he sticks with it. And that's what gets him so far. Brad Stevens, not so much. And you know, I'm gonna be honest. I'm glad you said that because. I'm going to say this right now, as bad as it's going to sound. Mm. This series right now that we have going on, I'm not blaming their exposure for it. You can't blame their exposure for it, bro. I'm blaming, I'm, I'm blaming these players because – Bro, do you see – it, it's, it's, not, it's not the fact that we're losing. It's the way we're losing. It's There's the, it's, no effort. Bro, and my thing is like – you know, I, I, I talk my trash about the heat. But deep down, I know y'all are a heck of a team. Y'all have – you know. Yeah, I saw your tweet earlier, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just when Bam Adebayo gets the ball at a high screen, bro, you have a free throw jump shot. Take it. He took it against the Celtics last year and beat us consistently doing it. So why change that? I mean. Yeah, exactly. And before we even started this show, me and Eric were talking about it. And he said, we both said the same things. Like they are literally daring you. To shoot at they're the free throw daring, line. They're daring him, bro. Take the shot. Like that's all we ask. Take the shot. If you miss, oh well. They're gonna d- give you that shot again. Take it because the next time you're gonna you're you're gonna make it. Exactly. And boom, once you start making those shots, Confident. they're gonna come up on you, and boom, you can drive by them and get to the basket again. Change the whole complexion of 
of the game. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, that's what I feel like Florida needs to do right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. because we've had guys that, – that was another thing we saw, guys passing up shots. Scotty Lewis especially. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Scott – Because it's almost you, – you, go ahead, go ahead. Scotty Lewis would have the ball in some of the best situations and try to make an extra pass, which would lead to a turnover. Like, why not shoot it? Yeah, it was – because my issue with him was it was almost like he was – I'm just gonna say, like he was scared to shoot the ball. He was because he was gonna miss it. He was like, you can't do that. You can't be scared to shoot the ball because you think you're gonna miss. If you miss, oh well, take another shot, take the shot again. Exactly. You're gonna start making it. I think he can be a guy that can figure it out in the at the NBA level because that's what they're gonna tell him. You know, I was listening to Neil Blackman on Stadium again earlier this week, and he said something that made so much sense. He was like, he's he feels like. Scotty Lewis is going to figure it out at the next level, but yeah. the question is going to be, do you want to stay in the G League forever, or do you want to figure out what you need to do offensively, get better at it, so you can be at the NBA level and not have to go to the G League all the time? And see, my thing is, bro, I feel like he has a Chris Walker-type mentality. And, you know, a lot of guys are very gifted athletes, and they can dunk. They're... You know, when I watch Scotty Lewis's workouts, you know, I don't know what he does all the time, but whatever he does post – is dunking. Bro, there is no reason why you should. Scott, we know you can dunk, but can you hit a three consistently? Can you stop and pop consistently without shooting the air ball? Like, those are the simple things that can turn that superior athlete into maybe an all-star caliber player if you just work on the simple things. Uh, I can't believe you brought up Chris Walker. I told so many lies about him. No, hey, bro, like, Chris Mm. Walker's a guy just – you know, dunking, 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 dunking. But at what point do you try to develop a post game? At what point do you try to become a reliable free throw shooter? At what point do you try to be a better passing big man out of the post? I don't, I'm not even sure if he's even playing overseas anymore. I I don't think I I saw his Instagram. It was some type of video games. I don't I don't know. I I. <laughs> hey, I, I I'm I'm not I'm not going to lie. Um, I ain't, I'm not going to knock that hustle because. Nowadays, you make a lot of money playing video games. Oh, yeah. Twitch. Twitch oh. and all that, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marco, yeah, Marco if, if I'm able to secure a PS5, I'm hoping and praying I will. Yeah, yeah. But if, if I do secure one, I may have to get up on Twitch and see what's going on there. Nah, definitely, bro. Get on there and YouTube it, bro. You'd be like, flight white. I'm telling you. Just as long as I'm not playing Call of Duty and somebody say something out of, out of pocket. They don't have to get their IP address, find out where their real address is. I have to pull them yeah, caught, caught. Knock on the door, like, so what was that that you called me on on the headphones? <laughs> no, nah, it's, it's pretty derogatory on there, bro. Like, you know, I don't get into it, but yeah. Yeah, well, do you have any final thoughts before we, before we, you know, close it out? Well, final thoughts for me, man, is this upcoming basketball season, I want to see. We don't have to be a perfect team, but I want to see some team chemistry. I want to see some cohesion, some ball movement, and I want to see better free throw shooting. At least try to work it out. And I want to see Mike White uh, not be afraid to just let loose and just go all in, you know, with his players. Let his players be comfortable. Don't try to restrain them. That That's all I got to say, basically. Yeah, for me, I'm – 
I'm just gonna say it again. I'm so excited to see Kawasi Reeves. Oh yeah, next season and what he brings to the table. And you know how he's gonna be using. You know, is he gonna? I'm not sure if he's gonna start, but it, does he start? Does does he come off the bench and bring that scoring punch? Just the different ways he can be used and the different ways he can score. Because I feel like he's a guy that can score at every level. He is in the post, like at the rim, mid range, the three. Yeah. He's one. Of, he's one of the best shooters in the country. Let's just put that out there. He's yeah. one of the best, absolute best shooters in the country. You can just watch his film. He makes it look. I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Kenny Smith on here. Even though I'm not comparing him to this player, he makes him look effortless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, you, you just watch his shooting stroke, and it's it's so pure. It's beautiful. Yeah, it, it, and that's something that we're definitely gonna need next season. Definitely, definitely, and. You know, since we tweeted this earlier from the podcast account, um, yeah, um, in the future, when we do, we're doing this podcast every week, right? That we want to get some more guests on here, definitely, bro. We're, we're we're trying to get Alyssa Lang and Trevor Sycamore on here, so if y'all can help us out with that, you know, try try help us get them get on there. The hashtag show. if you got to, if if you got to hashtag tweet at them. I don't know if they DMs open, but do that if you have to. We trying to get them on this show. Another guy that I want to get on this show possibly is Marcus Spears. If oh that's yeah, that'll be huge. Yeah, yeah. If definitely. that's possible, you know, we're, we're trying to, we're definitely trying to branch the podcast out, take it to the next level, and you know, just do some big time thing things with it. Yeah, but those three right there, we can get those three on here. You know, that th- that's definitely that's gonna be great for us. There's, we there's trying to get the, them on here. There's another I have in mind that I would like to get on here, but it's all up. It's, it's a player, but it's all up to, you know, what the, the players are able to do, if they can speak and whatnot. So, but yeah, there, there's oh, one. I want to hear this one. I want to hear this one. I, I'll tell you in the DMs, about? bro. I'll tell you in the DMs, but it's one guy I really want to get on here. I wanted to get him on Slightly Opinionated, but it was some stuff that, you know, he had to get figured out. But hopefully now that, you know, another year in, maybe I could get him on here at some point. Yeah, maybe even a current Florida football player as well. That's what I'm talking about, bro. It's another one I have in mind that I want to get on here as well. Okay, okay. And I'm just going to drop this one hint. He's a freshman. That's the only hint I'm going to drop. Okay. Definitely want to get him on here, though. Definitely, bro. Definitely. Try and talk to him and see if we can make that happen. Let's get it. Let's get it going, man. Before we close down, let everybody know we can follow you if we can follow you. Of course, so I am Mrs. Cindy Yet. If we can follow you on, on, on social media. You can follow me and my permanent, will never get suspended account currently on Twitter at I am Breezy <laughs> I, I. You can follow me there, and then you can follow me on Instagram at Lamar underscore I. I'm going to just say it again. If you have another account, get suspended. We just, we might have to just take Twitter away from you. No more. No they, more. they they might literally ban you from Twitter. You'll try to make an account, then all of a sudden, nope. We know who you are. You're 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 gone. No no more ops, bro. I'm trying to stay away from making Georgia fans mad because they always tell me. Yeah, I wonder. I, I always want to ask you that question. Like, was mm-hmm. it Georgia fans getting you suspended? Because I really feel it I was. I always bro. had that in the back of my mind. It's got to be Georgia fans doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Florida State fans, they 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 petty, but they ain't that petty. Yeah, Georgia fan, Georgia fans literally rat you out anytime you say something, bro. It, it's crazy. Like they get so super soft, 
it, it's, it's bad. You have to kind of, you know, treat them like babies. So it is what it is. Man. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Um, yeah. And you can follow me on, on Twitter at AceWade1 and on Instagram at Ace underscore Wade1. And you can follow the podcast account on Twitter at Inside underscore Swamp and on Instagram at Inside underscore Florida Athletics. Yes, sir. So follow us. You know, we can stream this podcast on all major platforms, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all, all that. So go on there, stream us, tune in, rate us five stars. There's no to do. There's no to do. Yeah, we because we appreciate all the love support we've gotten so far. And oh, definitely, man. Thank and, y'all. And so we and we enjoy doing this. We enjoy having just having a platform. Yeah. So, yeah. So we definitely enjoy that. And like, like, like we said, let, help us get a list of like Trevor Sickerman and Marcus. Y'all can. That, that's Indeed. what they want to do. And so if there's, yeah, definitely. So there's nothing else. Hey, this has been another great episode of the Swamp Inside Ford Athletics. I'm your host, Anthony Beck, with my co-host. Jerry Brown, a.k.a. J. Breezy. And with that, we say go Gators and have a blessed night. Go Gators. Screw Georgia. Have a blessed night.